layer your customer feedback by your journey stages. So what are customers saying when they're in the onboarding phase or when they're in zero to 90 days, right? Like having that customer journey one laid out and saying when customers are at over 365 days with us in terms of membership, what is their typical feedback? Are they in adoption? Like, are they in risk? Like what's happening with them? I think that's really powerful so that the business knows where to prioritize investment as well versus just individual areas of focus, which you can get more into on a granular level, but saying, hey, we're investing in our onboarding sentiment or like customers within this onboarding phase of their journey with us can be really powerful. The way we think about customers and growth is changing. Welcome to Customer Lifetime Value University podcast. Our goal here is simple. In under 30 minutes, we aim to give you an implementable strategy to increase your customer lifetime value. That's it. No fluff, all strategy. Hello and welcome to class, everyone. I'm incredibly excited to have Haley. She is the Senior Manager of Customer Experience, leading the voice of the customer and advocacy team of ActiveCampaign. We work super closely with ActiveCampaign here at Bonjoro. They're great partners of ours. So I'm super excited to have Haley come on, teach us a little bit from her vantage point around customer lifetime value. Haley, thanks for hopping on with us. Awesome. Thanks so much. Really excited to be here. We love working with Bonjoro. We're integration partners. So really excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. So before we kind of get into everything, Haley, do you want to take a moment just to give people a little more background on you and kind of where you're coming from? Yeah. Um, so I'm Haley Whitney, and I've really worked in CX and specifically in SaaS for the last eight years. So first starting my career off in tech and client-facing roles, and, and that really taught me a lot about business and working directly with businesses of all sizes and in different industries as they build out their customer experience strategy and operational process, which really allowed me to see and understand how they think about growth. So it was a great from an education perspective and also naturally being a systems thinker and having a strength in sort of pattern recognition, I was able to really have this unique lens of how all our touch points were serving or maybe not serving the customer. And then as my career progressed, I've taken on that initial knowledge of customer growth through thousands of customer interactions that I had and really leveraged that into more of strategic and leadership roles. So I, currently I'm, I'm leading active campaign CX team. And for context, AC is a customer experience automation platform. And so we really help customers engage with their customers. And it, it's from automations, from email marketing, CRM, and really using powerful segmentation and personalization across a lot of different channels like email and social messaging, et cetera. And so I've been with the AC organization for about five years. And I've really had the chance to build out a lot of the foundational elements of Active Campaign's customer experience strategy. So that's our voice of customer programming and how we sort of talk about that internally and set goals to our customer journey mapping and touchpoint optimization, and even stretched into advocacy by leading our customer review targeting to promote lead generation. So I've had this privilege of really seeing and being part of a company that's grown at a rapid pace. I think when I started, like, Five years ago, we had 30,000 customers. We have 150,000 customers or more today. And so I've learned a lot through that process, right? Working with a smaller customer base in terms of like a SaaS and where we're at with price and then really growing to scale and then working our intention from that perspective. And, and while my team works on several initiatives, I'll just say our main work is centered around gathering qualitative insight, centralizing, analyzing all customer feedback, and then working cross-collaboratively with all levels of our organization 
to really deliver on our customer experience strategies and initiatives that really ensure that we have a customer experience-centric culture and that the customer remains at the focus of our business. Yeah, I love that. I mean, so many so many different things to possibly talk about. I'm sure we're going to get into some of them in a moment. So in terms of the kind of overall CLTV, there's so many entry points. And you talked about kind of your system thinking approach. You also talked about advocacy. So I'm wondering when you step in and you, you have a person who's kind of becoming aware of customer lifetime value, maybe they've heard the phrase before, but they haven't really dialed in a lot of processes or systems to really take care of that where do you start? Because there's obviously retention, there's even like pricing and framing on the front end that can impact this. There's advocacy, there's so many different gears and levers. I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming. So one of the things that I really hope out of this show is that we kind of help guide people, give them a spot to start, a spot to launch off that can make a meaningful impact. So I guess as a, just a starting point, where do you begin on step one? Yeah, I think it's a great point of conversation because I think the key, right, is in just starting and not assuming you have to know everything. But there's a couple of ways that I like to look at it. I think for me, really, it's about growth and thinking about our long-term relationships with customers and delivering value throughout their entire lifetime with us. And it's not just like a number that's really important to our organization, but it's also important for our customers to see the value we are bringing their business throughout their entire relationship with us. And we can touch on maybe like advocacy in a bit because I think that's interesting when we talk about customer lifetime value um, because advocacy can stand, extend past just like the immediate relationship even after churn. But I think in being like a little more specific about how I think about voice of customer programming and strategy and how it fits into customer lifetime value, while it may be like a different metric than a lot of standard it's a standard loyalty metrics that we're looking at. So like CLTV is usually tangibly most linked to revenue rather than some intangible promise like loyalty or satisfaction sometimes. But I'll say that in using and placing importance in sentiment metrics like CSAT, which measures customer satisfaction or something like NPS, which measures customer loyalty, for example, by understanding the customer experience and measuring feedback at those key touch points, you can really start to understand what the key drivers of customer lifetime value is. And, and really, it's all about forming, for me, a lasting positive connection with your customer. So naturally, it should boost your CT, CLTV figure to nurture those customer relationships. And this is really a process for me and for us at AC to monitor and listen and make changes and add up to lasting improvement and how our customers really are going to feel about our product and service and our brand and their tendency to be loyal to us over the long term. Whether you know, you're know you B2B focused or B2C focused, I think it's really important to, to use customer feedback as sort of like a key touch point in understanding your customer value. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think as a lot of organizations scale, they lose that. And so it's amazing to see that as you guys are reaching kind of continually new peaks at Active Campaign in terms of company size, that's still that focus. And I often find too that using leading metrics, like you mentioned CSAT and MPS, I think using leading metrics is also a really good way to get kind of a pulse on the health of your business. Because I absolutely agree. I found the same that these will then be indicative of what kind of trends you're going to see on the CLTV front coming down afterwards. So that's amazing. I think that's a that's a really powerful kind of starting way to kind of frame really starting with the customer. And I'd love to just serve this up, give you the floor now to kind of walk through one or a couple of very specific strategies that our, our listeners can walk away with. So run away with it. 
Yeah. Uh, and to kind of jump off your point, I think it's really important to decide how you're going to be proactive with your customers, especially when you start to scale and get a lot of customers. Not everyone's going to go through your support or your service element. So like, how are you going to check in having a deep understanding of your customer journey and where those sentiment measures are going to happen is really important. But really, it goes back to that first point you made around how are you aligned? How is leadership aligned around prioritizing and listening customer needs, right? So we don't just talk about how much ARR growth we're expecting this year or how much new net new customers we're going to get. I think that's that tends to be a lot of focus of maybe some like business objectives and key SaaS metrics. But we're also saying, what do we want our NPS to be next quarter, right? Like, and, and I think one thing that's really important to do is to sit down and, and make a commitment to that and how you're going to prioritize customer feedback from the leadership level, especially if you have several employees, um, whether it's five to 500 to 5,000, really getting that buy-in at the top, I think is important. And from there, really invest in a way in how you're going to gather those feedback. So like in your services, where are you going to collect the sentiment, but also align it with your customer journey. So for us, we collect feedback from at least 20 different sources. It's not just MPS and some of those internal service surveys. We look at all G2 reviews, all trust pilot reviews, which is for those who, who may not know are like typical B2B, like SaaS peer-to-peer review buying. And so we're, we're saying, what is our social and community saying? And we're looking for engagement touch points so that customers don't have to necessarily always think they have to reach out to us directly. The worst, I, I think, point in a customer relationship if that they have an issue and they don't feel like they can reach out to your organization, you want to give them a lot of space to do so. And so just as an initial, if you're really starting out with customer feedback, make sure that there's some sort of way for customers to drop ideas on a website, right? I think that's even before survey implementation, give them the channel to make sure that they're co-creating your product with you and making sure that they're at the focus. I think a lot of times when people write on those feedback forums, they feel like it's kind of this place where it goes to die. It's kind of like, I think in the SaaS space, a lot of times people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to give my feedback, but they don't have a lot of confidence that it's going to be acted on. Is there anything you guys do specifically to help on that? Because it seems like absolutely, if customers really feel confident that their feedback matters and it's being incorporated, that would be something that I could definitely see would bolster advocacy down the line. Yeah, exactly. That's the second point I was just going to make is like making sure you're closing the loop one with unhappy customers, but also just in general is making sure when you release like a product release or some sort of iteration on your services that is addressing customers, you're telling them about it, right? So I think the worst thing you could do is probably just like enhance and then not share with the customer you you sort of left that and that's posting on your socials, posting in your community, making sure they know that this choice to invest in this development or sort of like staffing or whatever it is in terms of your product and service that they know it was a direct correlation to what you were asking for. So being very vocal that your customer voice led, I think is really important for your brand, but you do have to act on it. Because I think one of the easiest things, and maybe I've learned throughout my career working in voice to customer is insights are great, but if you're doing nothing with them, they're not valuable. So like making sure like to my first point, there's an action plan and that you're telling your customers. And then second of all, making sure that you're responding, especially to those detractors customers 
that like is for example with nps anytime someone comes in there's an nps that's a detractor we respond and read every single one so we've made the commitment as an organization even though we have 150,000 customers to say we want to prioritize that response so having that personalization at the other end to say hey someone's listening to you and not receiving automated or even worse a no response to customer feedback really helps and you want to make sure it's like specific to them so We've done that where we are now taking our detractors and all our negative feedback, making sure we don't leave anything on our socials or community unsaid and prioritize some sort of response protocol and set some timeline and say, like, we're going to respond to you within 24 hours, right? Like set an SLA or a goal for feedback. Otherwise, it, it won't be as important or, or sometimes it won't be as prioritized in the organization. You have to really be intentional about goal setting with that specifically. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And and one thing that comes to mind for me is how do you mobilize the team? So obviously part of success here when you take these insights is you need to get customer success and sales and marketing and obviously the devs and engineers. There has to be some level of alignment so that that feedback can actually be incorporated into changes. And I think, you know, that's another challenge that a lot of teams face is it comes in, but you know, the dev map is already set up for some period of time. So I'm curious from your guys' end, do you have certain members of team that are dedicated specifically to incorporating this? Is this like something that you review on a certain time schedule? How do you create that gateway, segue between that feedback and between the devs and your backend team making some of those structural changes? Yeah. So right now we democratize all our customer feedback where it's accessible to anyone in the organization at any time. It's a, it's through a you know accessible dashboard that anyone can look at if they want to know what customers said about X, they can go to it, right? So I think it's making your feedback accessible for all ICs and in terms of like everyday use. But then we've also set up a process where we have a cross-functional team that's sort of meeting to say, here are our concerns over the past quarter or things that have gone well in terms of customer feedback, like the research is there, the insights are there. Here are the sort of recommendations we sit alongside of our executive leadership team and then we say cross-functionally, we have a member from product in there, from marketing, from customer or from sales. We agree collectively sort of as a stakeholder what we're going to prioritize and we commit to it. So we say, I'm going to increase you know, our NPS rating for our support team, for example, by X or for our automations by X. And they're held accountable to those numbers as a direction, right? Like, I think NPS is really good directionally. And so we make a commitment right there what to prioritize. We're actually right now doing and prioritizing the rest of the roadmap for this year and then in 2023. And part of that exercise at this time is to meet cross-functionally with this team we've set up for improving it. So it's more about, yes, we have structure cross-functionally from the leaders. We also have agreement that those things will take priority, right? Like we have agreement that we're going to ship X amount of ideas. And so it's not going to be a conversation where we show up and we say, we've already had this plan. What do we do? It's we've agreed to plan what our customers need and want and are asking for. So making a lot of space for that, I think is important. Yeah, that's powerful. And, And when you were talking about NPS too, it made me think, do you know, and it's totally okay if you don't have those numbers or data on hand, but one thing I was curious about is if someone's looking for a downstream impact, let's say they want to increase their customer lifetime value by 10% and they can look at those models and what that would do for their business. Is there any relationship that they can see that says, hey, if we get our NPS from here to here, we have this downstream impact from a revenue standpoint inside of CLTV? Like, 
Do you have any kind of ratios or, or thoughts around things that you've seen on the impact of things like CSAT and NPS into CLTV from kind of that quantitative side? Yeah, and I think it's specific to the business, but what we've done at Active Campaign is one we look at when a customer, because we split all the feedback by individual category. So we'll say, you know, if product X, like if we were to, that sentiment is sort of like has a heavier detractor sentiment. If we were to remove X percent, MPS is a very simple calculation, right? It's percentage of promoters by detractors. So if you were to split, like these are the promoter topics, these are promoter detractors by mention count, you can kind of say like what we basically say is if we didn't have those detractors, our NPS would have been X. And we already know because we've looked at our data that NPS is tied to retention, right? Like we know that our typically customers retain at least three times more percent if they have a positive or even passive than detractor. So we know that that metric is valuable in terms of value, retention, expansion opportunities, advocacy. It's linked to a lot of our of our metrics, our SaaS metrics. And so we can tangibly say, if we would implement this product or iterate on this product or invest here, it should push our NPS up by X, which is ultimately going to help drive growth for the business. So I think there's definitely ways to get about it. I don't think it's a perfect calculation, right? Um, it's definitely directional. But but I would say my advice is to kind of sort and even code your sort of feedback by what is detractor sentiment by actually what's being said and what's sort of passive and promoter. And that should give you a good direction. I love that. It's kind of this idea of not only gathering it and organizing it in a way that's really accessible for the team, but then having these specific things in place to basically take action on them. And that's what's reading to that downstream CLTV impact. So that makes a ton of sense. I think that's a really powerful takeaway that, and I think a lot of businesses, to be frank, there's probably a big delta of improvement that can happen there. You know, I know because I've been in this space for 10 years talking with a lot of businesses, like, People are, oh, I got some of my stuff here and I got some reviews here. And yeah, we talk about it at this point, but it's it's very unstructured. So having a structure and having a more intentional process around that, I think has tremendous value. Yeah, absolutely agree. And and the other thing I would say too is sometimes we can cross-functionally, like we can be a little siloed, like if we're working on a certain product area or within a certain like area in the customer org, but really to also layer your customer feedback by your journey stages. So what are customers saying when they're in the onboarding phase or when they're in zero to 90 days, right? Like having that customer journey one laid out and saying when customers are at over 365 days with us in terms of membership, what is their typical feedback? Are they in adoption? Like, are they in risk? Like what's happening with them? I think that's really powerful so that the business knows where to prioritize investment as well versus just individual areas of focus, which you can get more into on a granular level, but saying, hey, we're investing in our onboarding sentiment or like customers within this onboarding phase of their journey with us can be really powerful. I love that you said that because I think it's so important. It's something that, you know, I've talked a lot about publicly in terms of like stages of churn. You know, I've talked about how like zero to 30 is very different from, you know, 60 to 180 and et cetera. And I think that that's such an important message for people to walk away with because feedback and churn obviously have this relationship, but just focusing on feedback by stage, I think helps you isolate the specific challenges at those bottlenecks. So I think that's super powerful. And as a question, when you're gathering feedback, when you're kind of collecting it, 
Do you send like emails to do that? Do you have a certain mechanism in place for what you find is most effective for you guys to get the right feedback from people? Yeah, so we have a couple different channels, right? We have our standard surveys that might happen after an event, like an onboarding session. We have customer like satisfaction metrics that happens after a service interaction. And then we have our NPS and we've kind of figured our NPS cadence are really around that before you're, if you see that your clients are turning in day 90, you don't want to send an MPS at day 90. So really optimizing your surveys for when that needs to happen, but also like still gathering insights. Cause I, I don't think surveys are the everything that you should be looking at, like looking at your community channels, leveraging them with polls or asking opening ended questions. We also have cabs and customer advisory boards, which I think is really important for the teams that don't often talk to customers to even have that emotional connection with customers as well. It really adds weight to the customer feedback outside of just the text. So making sure that you're collecting from other places than just surveys, I think is important. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And do you ever differentiate like... I know that because we do video testimonial gathering as one of our services here. And one of the things we found is that when we send, when we have a customer who's say super active, they're like a big advocate, we want to get feedback from them. We often can ask a few more questions. They're totally open to it because they're like advocates versus someone who might be frustrated, doesn't want to do a 10 question survey. They might only be able to give you one or two answers. Do you ever do kind of like separation like that? Or do you kind of try to keep it pretty uniform in terms of the types of questions you launch at people? Yeah, so I think, you know, in general, it, it's better to keep it brief, but very to the point. But we definitely have those advocacy groups where customers that are like, really invested with AC in their brand that we like go to ask more and that have opted and raised their hands and say, yes, I'm invested. I will say, though, even like we recently started in the last year doing sort of like a CAD model, which is we run customer panels and even customers that we typically have not interact with us from a feedback standpoint. If you give them the space, it does draw that connection in. And I think it strengthens the relationship. So maybe before we didn't have that strong relationship, but when we've created a space for them to do so and then show that we can act on it, we, we get even more of those participants. I love that. I think the I think this was two really powerful core insights for people to walk away with and be able to really kind of put into place directly. So this was amazing. I feel like we could talk about this stuff for an hour, but we'll we'll keep it bite-sized for people. But Haley, if people want to get a hold of you specifically or to contact Active Campaign, what is the best way to get a hold of you or your team? Yeah, so you can always email Active Campaign at CX Advocate Active Campaign. It actually goes to my team. You can also email me at hwinnie at activecampaign.com or message me through LinkedIn. That's brilliant. Haley, super grateful for your time. Thank you so much, Casey. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Customer Lifetime Value University podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Bonjoro, the world's first customer loyalty platform, giving you the tools to create customer loyalty and leverage that loyalty to improve your customer lifetime value. 